Today I'm going to preach about a tough subject for me because it is the subject of the office that I hold, and that is the office of pastor. It is a tough subject, yet be sure it is a needed subject. It is an important subject for us to hear, for us to understand this morning. As we are studying in Acts, the history of the church, as we are studying in Acts, the formation and the movement of the church, we are also seeing the history of and the initiation of the office of pastor. And so when we see one of these things grow and develop, we're also seeing the office of pastor as it is initiated. Be sure, in the Old Testament, there are prophets and there are patriarchs, there are priests and judges, there are rabbis, but there are no pastors. Well, in our study, we see the office of pastor originates with the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this, we see the pastor is initiated by God, the role of pastor. The role of pastor is the plan of God, and the role of pastor is to the church a blessing from God. Now, listen, there is a lot to see. Uh, We won't even get close to getting it all covered. There is a lot to understand, but be sure it is very important that we do. I will tell you today, and I do not flinch in telling you, many of the problems, and I'll say maybe most of the problems we see in churches today are due to the men holding the office of pastor in those churches. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, we've got too many performers, we've got too many politicians, we got too many posers and pretenders, and what we are missing is God called pastors in the churches today. Personally, I will tell you, I believe no greater weight can a person bear, no greater joy can a person experience, and no greater honor can a person have than being entrusted by Jesus our Lord with the care of his church. This morning, our message is entitled, Paul's Pastor's Conference. Paul's Pastor's Conference. We're in Acts chapter 20. Today, we're verses 17 through 24. We will not end the discourse. We'll look at it again next week. Today, Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 24. Paul's Pastors Conference. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 17, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, 
not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you. We're so thankful for a Savior. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin. We're thankful for the hope that we have in the finished work of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity to gather this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you are blessed in this gathering, that you are known in this gathering. I pray, Lord, that you would speak as we look at your word, that it would be your truly your word to us, not, not a, a filter of a man, but you would truly speak. And I pray that we as the church, that we would be built, that we would be instructed, that we would be equipped. And I pray that all of it would be in and for your purpose and for your glory. Lord, I pray for somebody listening today, either here in this room or some other way, I pray that if they, if they do not know you in the hearing of the, the message of a gracious Savior, that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, we trust it to you. We lay it before you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> now for the context today, Paul has been preaching. Really, we've been going through the account of Acts really all over the place. He's been going and he's been declaring the good news of Jesus Christ all over the place. Well, part of that we find that he has preached and he has taught the good news of Jesus in the city of Ephesus for right about three years. And so part of that, he has been there in Ephesus preaching Jesus, teaching Jesus for about three years. Now, at the point that we find him today, he has collected money from all of these churches for the believers in Jerusalem. Now, they are a poor people. They are in a dire need because of the persecution of believers there in the city. Well, he has gone to all of these places that he has preached, all of these churches, visited with all of these believers, collecting an offering to take to the church there in Jerusalem. We see in our verses, he is now en route to Jerusalem. The Bible says he is in a hurry, desiring to be there before Pentecost. Now, I'm not sure exactly why he wanted to be there before Pentecost. I'm sure there was some reason, but it says he is in a hurry. He is moving rapidly, seeking to be there by Pentecost. As he goes, this event that we're looking at today takes place. And so this is the historical record. This is the historical account, and as he goes, this event takes place. He has traveled to Miletus, which is 30 miles south of that city, Ephesus. All right, that's where we find him today. Let's go to the verses, starting in verse 17. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. Listen to that again. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus 
and called to him the elders of the church. The Bible says from Miletus, this place where he's at, he sends a message, he sends word to Ephesus for the elders of the church there in that city to come to him. Now, the word elder is the Greek word presbyter. It is one of three words that we find interchanged in the New Testament describing the office of pastor. Now, those three words, there's the elder. In another place, it's called the overseer. In another place, it's called a pastor or a shepherd. Those three words are interchanged in the New Testament referring to a singular office, referring to a singular person, and that is the office of pastor. Now, notice here, it says that he sends for the pastors. Now, I want you to notice pastors, the word is plural. Pastors are plural here. Understand, Ephesus at this time was a city of about 250,000 people. Over these years, through Paul's preaching and through the preaching of others, these pastors, there are many converts that have been made. And so understand, there is one church universal, but there are many meetings of the church. Most of those we find are meeting in homes, in houses. So understand, there are many church meetings, and so there are many church elders of those churches. Do you understand that? There's not one big place. Uh, The First Baptist Church on Grand Street there in Ephesus where everybody goes. No, there are many places, meeting in rooms, upper rooms and lower rooms, meeting in these homes, and there are many elders of these many churches. Verse 17 tells us, Paul, himself a pastor, sends for the pastors of that city to come to him. Now, understand what's about to go on here. Paul is about to hold the first pastor's conference. Now, there's been a bunch since then, but he's about to hold the first pastor's conference. Now, I want you to understand this. This is a serious time. And this is a serious thing. And Paul has for them a serious message. Now, as we move to the verses, I'm going to pull out certain truths about the pastor of the church, things that we need to know today in our modern church. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to work through the verses. As we do, I'm going to pull out certain truths that we need to understand today in the modern church. All right, here we go. First thing we see is the reputation of the pastor. The reputation of the pastor. Look at verse 18. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time. Now listen to that. He sends for them. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day I set foot in Asia, 
how I was with you the whole time. Now, Paul starts off and he says, what I'm about to say is not removed from what you know of me. That's what he's saying. Paul starts off and he says, what I'm about to say is not different from what you know of me. Paul says here, you know, from when I first got here, that I was with you, that I was serving with you, that I was working with you, that I was praying with you, that I was eating with you. And so Paul says, you know me. You have seen me. He says, you have firsthand knowledge. And what I say adds up with what I do. And what I do adds up with what I say. Be very sure. Listen very carefully. Be very sure this morning. The life of the pastor cannot be at odds with the message of the pastor. Now, I want you to hear that again. The, the life of the pastor cannot be in conflict, cannot be at odds with the message of the pastor. Now, listen. Pastors are people, yes. They sin, yes. They mess up, yes. They need grace, God's and yours, yes. But understand, as a pattern, the life of the pastor cannot be at odds with the message of the pastor. Now, I need to say this, <clears throat> and it's no flippant matter. It is a serious matter, but I, I need to say this, and I want us to be sure to hear this today. The pastor can do things in which they forfeit their role as pastor. Now, there's some, they say, well, no, they can't. God called them. There's no, that, that's not possible. I want you to be sure of this. There are sinful actions which disqualify the person from the office of pastor. And so the first thing we see here is the reputation of the pastor. The life of the pastor can't be at odds with the message of the pastor. We see the reputation of the pastor. The next thing we see is the reality of the pastor. The reality of the pastor. Look at verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Let me read that again. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Now, there is a lot to see in just this one verse. In fact, it is a very busy verse. And what we're going to see is the pastor's reality in the verse. Let me walk you through it. The first thing that we need to see in this verse is that the pastor serves the Lord. Serving the Lord is how the verse starts. The pastor, they serve the Lord. Now, I want you to be sure of that. The pastor really has an audience of one. The pastor, the Bible says, they serve as one who will give an account to God. And so understand today, they serve the cause, yes. They serve the gospel, yes. They serve the people, yes. The church, yes. 
but all of it is in their service to the Lord. The pastor serves the Lord. Let me tell you something. Sometimes the pastor feels like he has 500 bosses. Sometimes the pastor feels like there's 500, 700 people to appease. There's 500 people to appease. Sometimes there's 500 accounts that all need to be reconciled. When the reality is this, they serve the Lord. They have an audience of one. They will give an account to the Lord. The pastor serves the Lord. All right, next in this verse, it says, with all humility, with all humility. Now, here's what we take from that. To serve as pastor cannot be done in pride. It cannot be done in pride. It cannot be done for acclaim. It cannot be done for status. It can only be done, serving as pastor can only be done in humility. That is the example of Jesus. Serving the Lord as pastor, you put others first. You put the church first. Sometimes you have to do things that nobody else wants to do. Sometimes you have to do things that no one else will see or know that you do. Pride can have no place in it. A pastor serves in humility. The next thing we see in the reality of the pastor it says, with tears. It says, with tears and trials. Now, they're actually two separate things. Tears means heartache. Tears means tears. God's called pastor hurts over the lost, grieves over the lost, aches over those that are lost. God's pastor hurts over others that hurt. God's called pastor hurts over the sins of others. He doesn't laugh at them. He doesn't revel in that. He hurts over their sins. He hurts over divorces. He hurts over funerals, broken hearts as they walk by the casket. He hurts with them. He hurts over people that wander away, that go different directions. He hurts over kids that get into a mess. He hurts over wasted time and, and what could have been. I have found out in these years, I don't know any true pastor that when I talk to them, when I talk to them for any real amount of time, that they do not shed tears that they do not cry. And I'll, I'll just tell you, that's what I found. You think, well, they're gonna get together and talk about all these things. Really a true man of God, a true pastor. When, when, when I talk to them, there's not a time that they do not shed tears. The verse goes on and it says, and with trials. There's heartache and with trials. The word for trials means test. <clears throat> things to endure. Hard things. Listen, folks, it's hard to say, thus says the Lord. 
It's hard to be a human that stands and says, thus says the Lord. It is hard to say this is the direction that we'll go in the church. It's hard to be that person. It's hard when the crowd wants to go a different way. It's hard when the crowd is going a different way. And there are tests to endure, tests that that check your faith, tests that check your resolve, that check your commitment. There There are tests that rattle your core, that check your heart. And that is the reality. <clears throat> and then he says, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Now that's the reality. That's what was happening there. That's what had plagued him all along. He would go to a new city. He would go to the synagogue. The, the Jews would become stirred up. They would try to kill him, to silence him. That is the reality. He says, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Get this. Here's what needs revealing this morning. You need to hear this this morning. Satan and the demons of hell and the lost world hates and seeks the destruction of God's called pastor. I want you to hear me. They are not for them. They are not neutral to them. They seek the destruction of their homes. They seek the destruction of their churches. They seek the destruction of their hearts. They seek the destruction of their very lives of God's called pastors. And listen to me, friend, that is biblical. And the greater the stand that they take for the name of Jesus Christ, the greater the opposition will be. Folks, did you hear that? Folks, did you hear that? That ought to get our attention today. It is not some Mickey Mouse hardship that goes on in the church office. It's not some tough thing to endure. It's not some game that is played. Satan in the lost world seeks the destruction of your pastor. That's the reality of the pastor. The lost world wants to see him come unhinged. Satan wants to see him removed. They seek the destruction of the God-called pastor. Does that not make your hair stand up? Do you understand that? Six or seven years ago, There were some hard things going on. There always are. And I didn't understand them. And I didn't like them. One Saturday afternoon, I finished my sermon. I left. I went and I called my pastor. God was my pastor when I was a young kid. I told him, well, this is happening. And this has happened. And I don't understand this. And I don't like this. And they said this, and I don't know about that. And I don't understand this. And he didn't care about any of that. He said this, Toby, when you raised the flag of the gospel, an X was placed on your back. And that's the reality of what happens. Listen, that's the reality of a pastor. When they raise the flag of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to the extent that they raise it, there is an X on their back. And that is the reality of the pastor. 
The next thing we see in this list, the responsibility of the pastor. The responsibility of the pastor. Verses 20 and 21. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read those two verses again. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, those two verses are great verses. The first off, I'm just going to jump down. I can't help myself. First off, notice, do you see how we're saved? Do you see how we're saved? We're saved by repentance. <clears throat> the word means turning. Turning away from sin. In the verse, it says turning toward God. Repentance toward God and faith, that means belief, in our Lord Jesus the Nazarene Christ, the Savior from God. Folks, listen, that is our gospel. That is the gospel. We have a penalty in sin, and we are saved by turning from sin and turning to the Savior for sin. His name is Jesus. That is the gospel. That is how we're saved. Listen to me. There is no other way to be saved. And so be ever so certain for someone to receive that, they have to hear that. Do you understand? For someone to receive that, they have to hear that. Now, what that means, watch this. What that means is this. They have to hear about sin. You can't be saved and not know about sin. They have to hear about sin. They have to hear about their own sin. They have to hear about the consequence for sin. They have to hear about punishment. They have to hear about the, the holiness of God, a God that's perfect in justice. They have to hear about the truth of hell. They have to hear about the cross of Calvary. Well, that's kind of a weird thing, all the talk of blood. They have to hear about the cross of Calvary. They have to hear about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. They have to hear of God's grace offered to them to any person that would believe in Jesus. And I want to tell you that message, maybe you've noticed it today, it's not popular. That message, we like to preach a whole lot of things, but we don't want to touch that message. That message is too narrow. That message is too judgmental. That, that message, notice this, is politically incorrect. That message is silly. It is superstitious. But friend, you listen to me. That is the message, listen, that is the message that saves. And so the proclamation of that message is the business of the church. And so the proclamation and the care of that message is the business of the pastor of the church. Notice this. It says Jews and Greeks. Do you know what that means? He preached to all people. I see that all the way. I don't, I don't see anything different than that. I see that all the way through the New Testament. 
He didn't say, I've got some, but not some others. He didn't say, I like them, but I don't like them. He preached to all people. Notice it says here, in public, in groups, but it also says in house to house. Now think about that. He, he preached in public places and he preached in private places. What does that mean? He preached in all places. So he preached the good news to all people and he preached it in all places. Now I want you to see one more thing here. He says, I did not shrink from declaring. Wow, what a, it's a very telling word. Shrink means to pull back. It means to ease up. Friends, let me tell you, the pressure of the world is to shrink. And it's a pressure on you, it's a pressure on me. The pressure of the world is to shrink. The push of Satan is to shrink. When it comes to the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Satan doesn't care what we do as long as we don't declare the gospel of Jesus Christ and the pressure is to pull your horns in. The pressure is to slow down a little bit. The pressure is to, to be not so loud. The pressure is to shrink. God help us and God give us pastors that though they may suffer and though they may hurt and though they may cry and though they may stand in opposition to the world, God give us pastors that will not shrink. God give us pastors that won't shrink. So we have the reputation of the pastor, the reality of the pastor, the responsibility of the pastor. The next thing we see is the relentlessness of the pastor. The relentlessness of the pastor. Look at verses 22 and 23. Now listen to this. <clears throat> and now, behold, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. And now, behold, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. Paul says here in these verses, I am led by the Holy Spirit. Now notice this, he says, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. He, it's not up for debate. He is on his way. I'm on my way to Jerusalem. Now Paul says, I do not know what will happen to me there, except I do know that in every step of the way, every time I stop in one of these cities, every time I take up a collection for the saints in Jerusalem, every step of the way, God tells me in the Holy Spirit that chains and afflictions wait for me there. And so he says, I don't know what's going to happen there. I can imagine his brain's running wild. I don't know what's going to happen. But what I do know, there are chains and afflictions that wait for me there. Paul says he doesn't know what happened, what's going to happen, but he knows he's going to suffer. He knows he's going to suffer. 
Remember, it was on a hill outside of Jerusalem that Jesus was killed. And yet he's on his way to Jerusalem. Remember, it was on, it was on, a, on a gorge outside of Jerusalem that Stephen is stoned and killed. And yet Paul says, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. Listen to me. To be God's chosen pastor, a person must be relentless. A person must be relentless. Empowered by God, walking in faith, burdened for the lost, seeking the glory of Christ, we need relentless pastors today. We need pastors that don't throw in the towel, that do not waver, that are not wishy-washy, that say, you know what, I know it's gonna hurt when I get there. That's what I do know. I don't know the rest of it, but they go anyway. Empowered by God, walking in faith, burdened for the lost, seeking the glory of Jesus Christ, we need relentless pastors. And that brings us to the last point today. We've seen the reputation of the pastor, the reality of the pastor, the responsibility of the pastor, the relentlessness of the pastor. Here's the last thing we see in our verse today, and that is this, and it's a big deal. We see the respite of the pastor. The respite of the pastor. Verse 24. Listen to this. Listen to his words. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. I'm gonna read that again. He says, I don't know what waits ahead, but afflictions await on me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says here, I do not count my life as something to hold on to. I do not count my life as something to cherish or to protect for myself. Who does that sound like? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. I do not count my life as something to be held on to, something to be grasped. He says, I don't, I don't count my life as something to be protected, to be cherished. But Paul says, my goal is to finish my course, to complete my ministry, and to testify to the gospel, the good news of the grace of God. He says, it is a ministry given to me by Jesus Himself. Listen to the words of Paul in verse 24. He says, I move on, I march on, and I shall rest when I finish. We know Paul had more to do after this event. We know he was faithful. We have the record of it to do those things until the day that he finished, he was beheaded. And then with his work done, he entered into the pastor's respite. Then at last, when on high he sees us, our journey done, we will rest where the steps of Jesus end at his throne. 
All of that to say this, well, what do you do? Maybe you're not called as the pastor of a church. What do you do? What does this message mean to us in the church today? It's important. I want to tell you three things to do, and the first one is this. First thing to do is this, understand the office of pastor. Understand the office of pastor. You see, it's described right here. It is determined by God, and it is described right here. It's not set by a committee. It's not set by tradition. It's not set by the whims of people. It's not set on the vote of a crowd. The office of pastor is determined by God, and it is described right here. Know the office of pastor. It's in God's word. That's the first thing. Second thing you do is this. You pray for your pastor. You pray for your pastor. Satan would seek his destruction. He is. The gospel is waiting to be declared. It's his business. Standing in the gap, you pray for your pastor. And the third thing is this, and you listen, this is my request. Here's what you do. You serve with your pastor. You see, that's what the whole thing's about. You serve with your pastor. He's not the hired guy to take care of that. He's not the one appointed to take care of these things. You serve with your pastor as he discerns from God the direction. Listen, you buckle in and you get the gospel in your heart and you get it on your lips and you serve with your pastor, not against him. You serve with your pastor. All of this, listen, the church, the pastor, the giftedness of the body, all of this, listen to me, it is the mechanism for the proclamation of good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of that is for this, that we would know there is a Savior. All of that is for this, that you would know there is a Savior in Jesus. All of these words today, all of these words are that you would know there is a Savior in Jesus. Let me tell you this. If you're here, if you're listening somehow, and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you, all of these links are taken. More than that, the cross of Calvary stands because there is a God gracious and kind and loving, and he offers us forgiveness of our sin, restoration with God through the cross of Jesus Christ. If you've never trusted Jesus, turn to him today. Trust him today. If you're sitting here and you're condemned and heavy under the weight of your sin and you'd say, you know what, I've heard these things. I've never trusted Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've never heard before and, and you've never trusted Jesus. Turn to him today. He'll save you today. He'll forgive you today. That is the good news of the gospel. Turn to Jesus today. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. And I'm thankful for your instruction. And I'm thankful for the opportunity for people, messed up sinful people to be forgiven, restored, renewed in your grace. Thankful for the opportunity to lift up your name and your glory by going and reaching others. By not holding it to ourselves, not turning our attention to something else, but, but understanding the imperative work of the church of Jesus to tell a lost and dying world there is a gracious Savior and a salvation of grace. Lord, help us in that. I pray if there's one listening 
I pray that the hindrances will be removed. Somebody that needs to know Christ today, maybe in this room, I, I pray, Lord, I, I believe you've worked all these things for this point. Pray that all the hindrances will be removed, that the words would strike resound in their heart and their mind, and today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray for us as a church that we would be bold, that we would be faithful, that we would be relentless. We would follow the example of Paul that each of us would. The result would be many people would find you and your, your grace, see and behold your glory. Lord, we come today and we just trust all this to you. We praise you, we worship you, we thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to conclude our time today with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I'll, I'll just tell you, I truly believe it's the most important thing that will happen today, a chance to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most important thing that will happen today. You see, we have a Savior in Jesus. We have hope in Jesus. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and gone astray. All of us have earned a punishment. The Bible says Jesus has paid it for us settled it for us, reconciled the account. The Bible says we receive that in God's great grace by faith in Jesus. Turn to Jesus today. Trust Jesus today. We're gonna, we're gonna sing a hymn of response in just a moment. If, if God is speaking to you, you come. Let's settle that today. Turn to Jesus today. If you need more information, you come. Don't leave here without it settled. Let's settle that today. If you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and believe God has brought you here, you come as well. And together we'll stand on his word, preaching his good news for his glory until he comes again. Maybe you're here and you've trusted Christ, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. And you need to come in obedience to Christ and say, you know what, not as part of my salvation, not as some other event, but as a celebration and a testimony to the salvation that we have in Jesus. I want to be Baptized, and I want that testimony to stand. You come as well. We'll say today it'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe today you want to come and pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about or head for an exit, but you pray for those that are making decisions. So we stand to sing. If God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on. I'll wait for you here. You come on.